0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on. 77 WABC.
1: Hi, me, Cindy Adams, Madam Adams. The same Cindy Adams who harangues you in my column Monday through Thursday four times a week, every week in the New York Post. You're stuck with me right now, so have respect. Last week was my first time back at WABC after all the miseries we've all had, so I am negative, not necessarily unproductive, just not positive. Negative, negative, my room is negative, my mic is negative, even my brain is now negative. Let's not even discuss my talent. And I would like to give you a little piece of information. I'm going to tell you about Ben Affleck's temp lady friend. She has a new rum come. It's called Marry Me. It's a great idea for Jennifer Lopez. Who can do this better than a serial bride who's done this real deal plus rehearsals, so often that a gynecologist is on speed dial. For this shtick, she plucks another husband, a total stranger, from the audience. It seems so exciting that there's no need for anyone to put on a dusty Charlie Chan DVD. Lopez says, I play a global superstar. I play someone who's strong, confident, a simple businesswoman, a just regular person. Yeah, no retoucher, no stylist, no hairdresser, no assistant, no manager, no live-in PR person. But, she says, she's just a plain girl who gets lonely. Yeah, so we're we're supposed to cue in home on the range at this part. And she says, I could understand like nobody else could what it's like to be a simple person. In this rom-com, I am just bearing my soul. Yeah. And what was she bearing when she was having her soul with husbands Ohani Noah, Chris Judd, Mark Anthony? The temporarily Miss Lopez says, In this, she will pick someone in the audience to marry, and then her life will completely change. That happens, you know, when you're with someone who sees you as you truly are. That's how she was with Alex Rodriguez, David Cruz, Tommy Matola, Casper Smart, Wesley Snipes, etc. In this play, this tv she then realizes she's actually the love of her life she herself however she herself in real life took no audition she is the love of her life and that's been her problem since everyone wants a simple life just she says to be happy and find love And while we are bearing up until it starts next month, she will be repeating how happy she is, how happy her kids are now playing with Affleck's kids, that they're just now one big happy family. Which just as she told Alex Rodriguez, how happy her kids were playing with his kids, that they're just now one big happy family. Do tune it in when it comes on next month.
2: This is The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Right now I just want to introduce my first guest, Dionne von Furstenberg, who's possibly known as one of the best fashion designers in the world. Remember the famous wrap dress? She is now heading a $100 million refinishing job for the Statue of Liberty. She's been on the cover of Newsweek. She lives on a yacht as well as a home in Connecticut. And now I want to introduce Diane von Furstenberg. Okay, so Americans pronounce your name Diane von Furstenberg. Europeans Mm -hmm.
0: pronounce it Diane. How do you prefer? Well, I was born as Diane, but... uh... But I, I, I answer to anything really. I mean <laughs> I am I am also Diane and, Okay. And most people call me D V F anyway.
1: I know your husband does. He calls you D V. But you were born yeah. in you were born in Belgium. Yeah. Jewish, Jewish parents, your mother a Holocaust yes. survivor, imprisoned well, in Auschwitz by the Nazis. But you have said your mother was an influence in your life, honey. How? How?
0: Well, you have to understand that I was born 18 months before my mother was, I mean, she weighed 49 pounds when she came back. I mean, she was, she could, she couldn't, I mean, it's a miracle that she was not dead. And she returned to her family in Belgium. Her mother, her mother fed her like a little bird, every five minutes, a little bit of food. And within six months, she had regained her regular weight, which was actually never very much because she never weighed more than 90 pounds. But, uh, but she survived. And then her fiancé came back six months later and, uh, They got married and the doctor said to her, you absolutely cannot have a baby. You have to wait two years before you're pregnant because your body cannot do it and you will die and your child will not be normal. And sure enough, nine months later, I was born. So (laughs) I was really born out of the ashes. I mean, I am really a little piece of green sprout that came out of the ashes of cadaver of millions of cadavers and that I think explains who I am because my birth was the triumph and I took you know I went from I mean I transformed misery into a triumph and therefore I had already won the day I was born so anything that happened after that was a plus But, but you actually went you went
1: from a Jewish background to marry Egon von Fürstenberg a German aristocratic Roman Catholic prince how did that happen
0: I met him at college. I mean we met we were 18 and we fell in love and we went out together for a while and then he went to he came to America to do a training program. I went to Italy and I was working and then we met he came we met in Rome. He gave me a ring and he said we'll we'll get married but I didn't really take it that seriously then he went on a trip and before i knew i realized i was pregnant and i thought oh my god i cannot get married pregnant because everybody will think i did it on purpose and i sent him a telegram he was in india and i said don't worry i will handle everything and he sent me a telegram back said absolutely not arrange wedding Paris, July 15, and that's it, and I, mar- I married in Paris on July 16. and the German side, of course, his father was a Furstenberg, Prince Furstenberg, of a very, you know, renowned family, an aristocratic family. His mother is Agnelli, and um, so she, they were okay with that, the German side, they weren't too happy that I was polluting yeah, sure, the, I'm sure. yeah. the blood, but you know, they ne- it it all went. I mean, it's uh, it was never a real big tragedy. And before we knew, we were married anyway, and uh, and he gave me two beautiful children, and uh, and we stayed, even though we didn't stay married, but we stayed very close for all you know. And I was with him and my children when he died. Okay.
1: I want to know also there's so many questions I want to ask how did you sell in one time one million dresses you were the internationally known biggest fashion designer and you had this wrap dress did you actually sell one million dresses well
0: I tell you at the age of 27 I think 28 I was making 25,000 wrap dresses a week. So that's, that's 100,000 a month. So, you know, so, yeah. I don't know how it happened to me, uh, um, Cindy. I mean, you know, everybody said I designed the wrap dress, which I did. But it's really the wrap dress that made me. Because it gave me my confidence. It made me the woman in charge that I wanted to be. It gave me my financial independence. And because it was a dress, the more confident I was, the more I passed on the confidence to other women with with the conduit of the dress. So now that I am a much older woman, I just turned 75, so I am... At the, you know I started the winter of my life I look back and I think you know how did this how did this happen because at the end in some ways and you are the same way too you become a conduit you know you become your voice um, has a uh, I mean you know you you know if you have a voice if you have an experience if you have knowledge and if you, if you can use all of it to, you know, to promote something good and and to make women feel uh, confident, do, I mean, do, you know. Diane, do you still have one of those schmatters
1: yourself? One of those hundreds of millions of dresses? Do oh you have God, one? I have,
0: oh, I have many. I have huge archives. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I am a living archive, yes, absolutely. I have archives, I have, yes, of course, of course, and, and letters and photographs and, yeah, it, it's been, and by the way, the thing that is amazing, the dress was invented in 1974, and to this day, to this day, I still sell that same dress. I mean, no, there has never been in the history of a dress, a a dress that has sold for so long.
1: Newsweek called you the new Coco Chanel at one time. I know that. I know, but you were the most famous in your wardrobe. Do you still
0: wear any of those famous wrap dresses? Yeah I, I still wear DVF. I always wear my clothes but wrap dress I don't really have a, a tiny waist so I have stopped wearing wrap dresses <laughs> we
1: yes we all do No did. no we,
0: some people listen it's not even a question of age some people have I never thought I had a uh, waist so
1: What about your children? You are now so successful, so famous, so rich. You've married so well. Are they spoiled at all? I mean, I once wrote about your son. My
0: my children are, you know, I have my daughter's 51. She's going to be in two weeks. And my son is going to be 52. So, um, and my grandchildren, I have a granddaughter who is, 22. She works with me. I have a granddaughter who's 21, who is, you know, she she has a summer camp. I have a grandson who is 20. And then I have two smaller ones, nine and one. So altogether, I have seven children, counting my grandchildren. And uh, how can I describe them? They are, I'm very proud of them they are selfish enough so that other people will not take advantage of them but they are very generous they're very compassionate they're very engaged they're not banal they don't come from a you know okay okay
1: okay. now i have to listen to you what you've done for New York, please tell people listening in who are not New Yorkers, tell us about the High Line and tell us about the little island, both of which
0: you helped create. We don't understand how that happened. Okay, so when I started my company again about 20 about twenty years ago, a little more, I moved downtown and <clears throat> I bought a little carriage house on West Twelfth Street to make it my office and my showroom and my design studio. And when I um, uh, when that happened, when you move to a new neighborhood, you make friends. And I met those two young boys who had a dream to turn the elevated uh, railroad uh, called the High Line that was. Closed and that didn't function anymore, and that was going to be destroyed um, um, to turn it into a park, and and that's and so I, I did the first, They did their first fundraising with me in my new studio, and then we helped them financially. and, and It took a long time, and it became actually number one um, uh, tourist destination in New York. It's a beautiful I know, I know, I know, I know. But
1: you've done so much. I understand that you have done so much. Is it true, is it true that you have devoted so much money
0: to philanthropy? I mean, you have. Well, let's talk quickly about Little Island. And then, because we have the High Line, the uh, the Hudson Park uh, Foundation asked Barry if he would help to reconstruct a pier that was falling apart. And then he said, well, does the pier have to be a rectangle or can I turn it into something else? And then he did a contest for um, architects and then he created out of this pier, he rebuilt it, invented something and created the little island, which is a, a park open to everybody. And that uh, open this year. And that also has two open air theaters. I and know. that's Barry. That's his That's his dream, and it's completely his. Well, I've been
1: there. You took me there. But I'm I'm stunned by how much you have done for the city and for philanthropy. You have done a great deal. Very few of us get that much money, but to give the way you have done. And you are now doing the Statue of Liberty. What are you doing with the Statue of Liberty? Dressing no, her in a wrap
0: dress? No. What <laughs> I did for the Statue of Liberty is I raised hundred million dollars, and to open the museum of the Statue of Liberty, which is now open, and now we are redoing the Ellis Island Museum. Yes.
1: Okay. Okay. Now back to your old days. These are questions. Did you or did you not do a line for Gap Kids? I did. And that was a
0: really fun program, yes. What did you do?
1: I didn't wear any of your schmatas. What did you do?
0: Oh, we did a little, uh, we did a collaboration with Gap and we did two seasons of children's clothes, children's little wrap dresses all Mm -hmm. over the world. And it was very, very successful.
1: You have to tell us, since you have been through a great deal, much of which I'm not about to talk about, but you have a slogan. That you told me about own o w n own it what right. does that mean
0: well listen I mean you know the truth is if you own your imperfection, they become your assets. If you own your vulnerability, you turn it into strength, and therefore owning it is the is is the secret to life, really. And um, however difficult it is, rather than being delusional or pretending it's not there or hiding it, if you own it, you automatically make the best out of it. And therefore, it's truly being in charge is owning it.
1: Have you ever been scared or frightened like most of us?
0: Oh, You know, my mother did not allow me to be afraid so if i was afraid of the dark she would lock me in a closet today she would be in jail for i mean she could be you know arrested for that but it really worked because then you are in the black closet first of all you realize it doesn't stay black there's always a little piece of light. and even if it stays black what is there to be afraid of i mean fear I mean, my mother said fear is not an option, but truly fear is a handicap. So you have to try to push the fear away and then deal with whatever you have to deal with. And my trick to my friends when they're afraid about something or an operation or something, I always say, well, try to detach yourself.
1: This is The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I'm now going to talk with Candice Bushnell. So anybody who knows anyone who's still barely breathing knows the creator of sex and the city. How in our land of liberty she is our newest libertine, I don't know. But she is interested in doing it. And showing everyone how to meet someone. Let sweet Candace help you, she is going to say. She is now a paid matchmaker. She is now set to collaborate with Match, our biggest online dating service. Now, you have to tell me, what is this new collaboration you're doing with Match? Is that not our biggest online dating service? Yes it is it's the biggest online
2: online dating and what i'm doing with match is expert picks so i am working with some of the experts at match and and then together we are choosing some picks um and then I am going through and choosing the final three dates.
1: I and don't I understand say, how that works. How does that work? Your clients are to be what? Are they unhappy, lonely, sexually no, itchy? No, what no. are These they?
2: Are young women? They're you know in their the two women who I worked with they're in their late twenties, early thirties, and I mean match is about finding. A serious relationship. Um, It's about, you know, adults and people who have their lives together and are really looking for that kind of forever serious relationship. And so it really is matchmaking. Um, So I had, there were two young women who were on Match And they wanted the expert picks. So if you go on Match, expert picks is something that you can sign up for.
1: What does that mean, expert pick?
2: It means that they have experts like me who are looking over the choices of people who match with you. Yeah and and they're making recommendations. So, well, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a, it's, a, it's an extra level when it comes to online dating.
1: Candace, how do you know seriously? How do you know which or to whom to go to, who to pair with what? What what are the what? Well, they they send me well, first of all, we
2: chose the two we chose two women. And one of them was writing about it. And then I do a Zoom with them. And we go over the different choices. I chose three guys for each one of the women. From a pool of, you know, quite a few guys that the experts at Match, because remember, Match is the biggest online dating company and so they match themselves obviously has dating experts that's part of their team
1: okay so are all so of
2: these people they are working with me so I'm like an added you know an kind of added expert
1: let me ask you are all of these people single or are some married and just looking to explore no, they're all single, and
2: they're looking for mature, grown-up relationship. Match is for people who they have their lives together, and they are, they're looking for a relationship. So they're single.
1: How do you know all this? How do I know all of this? How does anyone know all this if you meet someone on Zoom or on a phone— how do you know what they're telling you is legit? I, I'm asking really because I just don't understand how it works.
2: Oh, well, I mean, how do you meet anybody in real life and know if they're legit?
1: Well, you don't. Right? Yeah, okay, okay.
2: No, I mean, it's, it's it's really not that different from real life. And, you know, as human beings, we kind of have to assume that people are legit, Right.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, I'm know. flexible. Okay, yeah. What but, about your you know. what is this from from your own personal Rolodex? Are they people you know? No.
2: No. They are people who have signed up to match.
1: Yeah. So what do you look for when examining a new client? Well, I look for
2: Number one, a sense of humor. Yeah. Because a sense of humor is really important for, you know, pretty much everyone. You know, most people will have that as a priority. They want someone with a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, a sense of stability. They have a job. They have a career. They're passionate about it. I look for people who are passionate about their lives. Okay. You know, they, they like who they are and they like what they do. And, so t- and,
1: so and meantime- then i also. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Oh,
2: and, and then I'm also looking for people who they want to have a relationship, you know, a, ser- a, a serious relationship. Which is, you know, now after the pandemic,
1: this is what people want. So, meantime, did you find anybody for yourself?
2: Who's going to be there for them? So, people are really they're looking for people who are, you know, they're a good character. Uh, You know, they're looking for somebody who will be with, be there in the good times and the bad.
1: Listen, how. Does it work about you? Did anybody get to you that you like? I'm not personally dating right now. Yeah, I understand. But what if somebody came along?
2: <laughs> I, I, I mean, if somebody came along, I, I guess I would date them. But I'm, I'm not really.
1: You know, I'm not on a dating quest. Uh, okay. Well, what the hell does that mean, being on a dating quest? You find a nice-looking guy, you go on the quest. you got to be flexible. How when? Could be. <laughs> how and when did Match come to you? I mean, was it right after Sex in the City or what?
2: No, it was we started working together on my... When I did my stage show, is there still Sex in the City?
1: Yeah, okay. Match
2: was one of our sponsors, so I've, con- you know, I've been working with them since I guess the beginning of December, and I I will hopefully be doing an event with them on February fourteenth, and the reason why I'm doing this is that. This time of year, January, up until Valentine's Day, this is the busiest time for dating all year. Yeah, I know. So this is, you know, this is like that Super Bowl time of dating. So people are, you know, they have resolutions that this year they're going to find somebody.
1: Do you pay money to, I mean, if a person wants to meet someone, do they pay money to Match? How does it work?
2: Uh, there, There is a fee for joining Match.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, lots of people have hooked and, up. And
2: some of them, with some dating sites, there's a fee, with some there isn't. But you can go and look on Match for free. That you can do. You can go on. You can fill out some information. You can see potential matches.
1: What about same sex? Does a lady want to meet a lady or a guy want to meet a guy? Do you do that as well? Uh, I am just
2: right at the moment starting with women and men at the moment.
1: Well, that's an interesting twosome. Okay. But
2: I, I think, you know, every kind of match could be great because, you know, it's not it's not really about that. It's really about personality, you know, commitment, wanting to have a relationship, being, you know, being open minded, being de- dedicated and having your life together. So,
1: Listen, lots of people have hooked up as a result of going online. I know quite a few. A very highly respected doctor I know. And there was this this beautiful Budacek, former mayor of a town that's smaller than my linen closet. He found his husband online. So I know a lot of people do do that. But I'm not sure... You can always sniff out what's real and what's not real. I'm, I'm not sure I yes, know what I, I'm looking at.
2: I think that's, I, but, you know, I think that's life because I think that's true with every kind of social media. I mean, you can't really tell what's real or not real on Facebook, you can't really tell what's real or not real on Instagram. You can't tell what's real or not real on Twitter. Okay. So okay. I, I, I think understand. That it's, I, I feel like, you know, yes, there's always that element. But... Can you give me over, a, for I instance... Over 50% of couples meet online. So, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that is really, it's how they meet people. And can they you do give me
1: me, and me people? Can you give me a for instance, like a couple you put together or or anything like that?
2: Well, I am hoping that I did my expert picks. I did one last week, and I'm gonna do another one this coming week. and I'm hoping to get an update, and I'm hoping that they really might end up together. I mean so, there was there's a a woman and I picked a match for her, and I thought these two would really be perfect
1: So where do they finally meet after you put them together? Do they meet at a at a restaurant they, or a they, bar they,
2: they 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 figure that out
1: okay okay do they do uh, tell me how the it works. Do the clients just date? Do they actually marry the people, or do they just try it out for a, for a night? What 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 does it? How does it work? I think it, it
2: works like any relationship. Okay. Okay. You know, they meet, and if they like each other, they continue. They see each other again, and. In general, people I match. Usually, they they meet about three times, and you know before they decide whether or not they want to take something further. And you know, just, so it's all very. I, I think it's very grown up. I think it's a great way to go about finding somebody.
1: Supposing I was itchy and I was a little younger and I wanted to find a guy, which I am not and do not, what would you find for me? And watch your mouth. I don't know because I I have to look. (laughs) Look at what? You, You know me. You have to
2: look at Match and see what's out there.
1: Oh. Oh, so you're not committing to what you would find for me. Okay. Well, okay.
2: I would I have to see what's out there, but I didn't know that you were looking for someone but I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm I'm just supposing. I actually think of someone, but I don't want to say who it is. You probably know them.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, well,
2: let's face it, you know everybody in New York, so you just have to think
1: about, you know, who's available. Okay, when we hang up, you'll call me back. Okay, so now now back to your one woman show, which worked at downtown's Darrell Roth Theater. What happened to it? I know it was CV. Tell me what happened.
2: Well, we closed because of COVID. Yeah. And, And now we're going to be going on tour.
1: What about your stage wardrobe, the fantastic costume changes? I think the people will never understand exactly what you were wearing. Explain, explain your wardrobe on stage.
2: Well, it, it actually was layered because I would take off different outfits for different eras. So I, I really started with like a disco dress. And then on top of that, I had a dress from the 70s. Uh, like a Diane von Furstenberg type of wrap dress. And then on top of that, I had a robe. So I came out in the robe, and then I took the robe off, and I had on the 1970s Diane von Furstenberg wrap dress. And then I took that off, and I go to Studio 54, I have a little gold dress, and then I put some things on top of the gold dress. I put on a skirt and I put on a jacket for the 80s. And then I went behind a screen and took it all off and put on an Hervé Legere bandage dress for the 90s. And then I put a couple of, I had a couple of other costume changes that were kind of robes and that sort of thing.
1: Where did you stick the microphone?
2: (laughs) They put it in your, uh, they either put it in your head, on your forehead, dangling down from your forehead or around your ear. And then it comes over the side of the cheek. And then I had to wear spanks that were all rigged up. You know, there were two battery packs, and there were wires and all kinds
1: of stuff. So how could you pee if you had to pee?
2: Well, there is <laughs> there is an opening in the Spanx. <laughs> oh, okay. But basically, we just are not going to pee for two hours.
1: <laughs> okay. That's okay. basically okay. the story. We were talking about the stage setting for your one-woman show. What was the background? Well, there was a television screen. Yeah. Uh,
2: and we had all kinds of different videos and photographs, etc., on it. And there was bookshelves that had my books. There was a little desk with a computer. And a rack of clothes that I went would go behind and changed a couple of times, and yeah, that was so. That was pretty much it. But so you know, if, it was a proper stage that I had to move around in and so sit if on I'm, the couch, lie on the couch, stand up, walk around, change my shoes, all of that.
1: So if I'm talking to Candace Bushnell. How do I ask, how do you write about sex? How did you get the idea in the first place to do the show? And what do you do? Do you work on a computer? How do you work at home? Uh, uh, I work on a computer.
2: Like probably everybody
1: else. Yeah. I don't know. Do you still work on Do you work on a computer? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And then yeah. when I'm going to talk to somebody like you, they come in and they bring me a microphone and all the rest of the equipment. Yeah.
2: Right. Exactly. Um, I, and I spend a lot of time writing at my house in Sag Harbor because I think it's, it's quieter. And I really have the idea for the stage show because it's, you know, it's based on my book, Is There Still Sex in the City? So it's partly based on a book that I'd already read, that that came out in 2019, came out a couple of years ago. And I developed part of it for a TV series that, that didn't end up working. It didn't get very far. And then I developed part of it as this stage show, Is There Still Sex in the City?,
1: so, so, is your show is your show now going to travel? Are you going to play in Australia or Austria or London or something like that? If we well, are ever hopefully through,
2: hopefully, London and Australia when things open up, and LA, Aspen, uh, probably some places in Florida, and you know, there's a a, a whole tour that will be booked that. It has not been worked out yet. It's just too early because none of this will happen till October.
1: Okay. Thank you, Candice Bushnell, whom I have adored from afar for a long time. We've all seen your show. We've all seen everything that you've done, and I'm sure you're making more money than I am. And I love I you. It. <laughs> Thanks, sweetheart. We'll get together. Okay? Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks, babe. Bye. Hi.
2: It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC.
1: Listen, it's been hard for all of us. Many humans today are deprived, depressed. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're staying home, out of work, seeing no friends, not going out, having dinner by standing in front of their refrigerator. Some friends have just now started Traveling again. They've called me and they've told me. Even though we have been warned about clustering together on some cruise ships where it's only second hand pickup staff, they are still taking these cruises. I just want to warn you I have a friend who just took a cruise. The highest ranking officer aboard the ship was the wine steward. So, Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Cindy Adams of the New York Post, and I'm here again next Sunday, same time, same station. See you next week. Bye.